Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. What would be your advice to someone who's young and seeking to find their identity as well? Because we're all sort of young and empty in the beginning. We're empty vessels in the beginning. The strongest message I can impart is that knowledge is power. So find out about what your future could be, and figure out what you want to do to get to that future. Seek out all the knowledge that you can to figure out what motivates you, and then pursue those things. And for every individual, that might be a different goal, a different issue, but every individual has a unique spark, and uh, we have to find what that is and what it leads us to. And if we can do that, we'll find our path. It's the one that we choose, the one that makes sense to us as individuals. So very excited to have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, Kareem, welcome to the, the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. You know, I always have to start off an intro with the obvious, unfortunately, which is you're probably one of the, or I mean, you definitely are one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You have the record of most points scored in your career. You played 20 seasons. You were, you know, your team was the champion for so many years. Uh, I don't know how many records you you uh, have broken in basketball that still haven't been. I mean, you haven't played professionally since 1989, and your records still last. Like you would think by now, somebody would have scored more than 38,000 points in their career, but it has not happened. Do you think basketball has changed? Well, basketball has changed a little bit. You know, the the three point shot and the way they changed the rules uh, with regard to uh, defense now have. Uh, change the game somewhat you know you can't uh, you can't play physical defense anymore you know where you can use your hands and uh just uh hand checking and the close proximity and bumping people you can't do that and that uh, if, if you could do that the three-point shots wouldn't be falling like they do but now that they've uh taken the hands off of the offensive players so that they can shoot those three-point shots uh, the three-point shot has become a lot more important um, I'll give you an example. Um, we won the world championship in 1985, probably the, the best team I played on uh, with the Lakers. And uh, we averaged a, about four or five shots, um, four or five three-point shots per game. Uh, and over that year, for the whole season, uh, from the first game of the season until the last game of the playoffs, we shot about 95 to a 100 uh, three-point shots. Mm. In uh, 2015, when Golden State won their first championship uh, with uh, Steph Curry uh, for the season, they shot over 1,000 three-point shots. So I see. So so basically just the <laughs> dynamic of scoring points has, right. has changed. And, you know, that, that extra point that you get for that longer shot uh, can, can be a game-changer. It can, you know, throw the balance of games. 
So, uh, you know, having efficient three-point shooters out there um, will increase your, cha- your, your team's chance of winning. So you, you have to know how to use that in today's game. Whereas uh, when I played, it was a more physical game and the three-point shot wasn't that significant. But, you know, what's interesting just hearing you say this, and this kind of segues into um, your, your recent book, which I'm about to mention, and, and other things, but you've recreated and reinvented yourself many times. I mean, obviously, to look at you, people say, this guy's seven foot one. You know, he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. People know and remember you as a basketball player, but you're so much more. Um, you've written a ton of books on every topic, uh, but your most recent book, Becoming Kareem, Growing Up On and Off the Court, really moved me, and it seemed like uh, a quest for identity. Like, it's about you growing up, you going through college, you beginning to be a professional, and and coming to grips with whether you're not whether, but but your identity as a, as a basketball player, uh, you know, as as a great basketball player, you're coming to identity with your religion. You're coming to your identity with your race, and so much more. And you've continued that search for identity. It seems over the years, like you're a Sherlock Holmes writer, and and just the way you analyzed the three point shot strikes me as the way you probably think about how Sherlock Holmes thinks. Just kind of analyzing what's. What's the, the the deeper meaning, the deeper layers of what's what's happening? But is my my assessment of your book becoming Kareem? What, what tell a little about this maybe search for identity? Because like you even mentioned in the book, so many people, and you point out so many people you knew who changed their names in their quest for identity, just as you ended up changing your name. Right. I I think uh, as a Black American, there's a a quandary there because. Um, We've had identities imposed upon us as black Americans. Uh, People uh, took away our African identity and imposed uh, an an identity and uh, attributed it to to black Americans that enabled uh, white Americans to exploit them. Um, They destroyed the family structure and made it impossible for black Americans to uh, accumulate any type of wealth or power. And uh, they were exploited for their labor for so long until the Civil War came along. So uh, after the Civil War, um, they imposed a a different identity on black Americans, uh, one that said that they were useless, uh, they were ignorant people from Africa and of no worth here in America because uh, they no longer could be forced to work for nothing. So we've had to deal with with those issues, the, the Jim Crow uh, laws that uh, kept black Americans from achieving anything. So uh, in the middle of the 20th century, I'm growing up and I'm trying to figure out how I can become successful. And uh, I, I, in order to do that, I have to re- reject the identity that has traditionally been assigned to me and try to uh, change my identity to something that I can be proud of and something that I can relate to and identify with. And uh, this book, Becoming Kareem, uh, shows the process that I went to, went through, excuse me, to uh, to to get there. Uh, the mentors that I talked to that enabled me to understand who I was and uh, helped me to uh, figure out who I wanted to be. And it, it shows the importance of part of of a person's individual identity comes from. 
the the quality of the people around them. Right. Like you mentioned, everybody from you know Coach Wooden, who was your coach in in college, and uh, 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 Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Will Chamberlain, um, all your influences in religion. Um, you know, even ones that. You know, I think it's important to recognize that virtual mentors are important. So the autobiography of Malcolm X had such a strong influence on you, uh, and his rise from kind of, um, you know, sort of let's say a, a more militant form of Muslim to a more spiritual leader, and all of these things seem to come together to help you figure out what that identity is. And I'm wondering if someone who is not, let's say, blessed with the many talents you were, and then on top of it, you're dedication to developing those talents into real skills that made you the greatest. What would be your advice to someone who's young and seeking to find their identity as well? Because we're all sort of young and empty in the beginning. We're empty vessels in the beginning. Well, I, I would say that the, the strongest message I, I can impart is that knowledge is power. So find out about what your future could be and figure out what you want to do to get to that future. Uh, don't let it be imposed upon you. Seek out all the knowledge that you can to figure out what motivates you and then pursue those things. And for every individual, that might be a different goal, a different issue, but every individual has a unique spark and uh, we have to find what that is and what it leads us to. And, uh, you know, if we can do that, we'll find our path. It's the one that we choose, the one that makes sense to us as individuals. And uh, I think every American, in America, we celebrate the individual. And uh, individualism is, is cherished here and uh, encouraged. So uh, we, we want every individual to understand who they are and uh, give them the opportunity for the most growth that they can achieve in, in, in their lifetime. And, and I, think, I think there's opportunity and there's growth. So for instance, someone can say, oh, you're talking to someone who's seven foot one and who could dunk in, by the time he was in eighth grade, he kind of had a direction to know where he was going. But there's also growing that strength, which, you know, wouldn't reinforce you and many coaches reinforced you that, you know, it's, it's play, practice, play, practice, just keep working at these things that you are good at. So I think, but that leads to two questions. One is how do you, how does somebody know or begin to know which, where their opportunity is, because many people don't know. And then what, what teachers, what did you learn about growth along the way that maybe not was so obvious? Well, uh, for me, what, what I learned was that uh, you, you have to, if, if you want to contribute to society, you have to have some knowledge. You know, So the fact that I wanted to get a college degree and I stayed at UCLA until I did, I, I think that uh, helped improve my life. And John wouldn't even told you when you first met him. He told you you have to stay here for four years, or we, or he wants students who stay for the full four years. Well, he, he John wouldn't said that he wanted. Uh, he expected me to graduate, you know. And uh, in those days, uh, if you didn't graduate, it, it was very difficult to to pro, to proceed as as a as a basketball player. So uh, you know, I had a lot of reasons to want to to graduate, but I, I am the first person in in my family with with a college degree. Hmm. So uh, it's. Uh, it, it, it's a double thing. Uh, you, you do it for your for yourself, but you also do it for your community because uh, as the community becomes uh, better educated and um, more affluent, uh, things in the community improve. So I, I think that that is the one thing uh, for individuals or, or, or groups. Knowledge is power. Uh, 
put yourself in the best position to do the best thing that you can for yourself. And and now we live in this society that's almost attention glutted. Like there's so much social media, there's so many distractions for our attention. What's the best way you think for a young person to start improving their knowledge? Well, um, it all depends on what they want to do. You know, uh, for some people, they need to go and uh, see if they can take a computer course or, or other people uh, need to, geez, I, I'm really interested in uh, uh, plumbing. Uh, you know, I know that the plumber's getting paid because they, they just left my house. And, uh, you know, if they don't take care of you, you're going to end up uh, with your house smelling bad and you still, and, and the plumbing won't work. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of means to become successful in America. You just have to figure out what it is that you want to do for yourself and, and then, then pursue it. And then it seems like, again, from Bruce Lee to Muhammad Ali to Wooden to many others, uh, you learned about, okay, you given that opportunity, given something that you're good at or interested in, what's the best way to develop those skills? Like with Bruce Lee, you practiced many years, or not many years, but, but for a long time, martial arts. Obviously, you had great coaches in basketball. What were kind of some of the, what would you impart into, to someone who says, okay, teach me something so I could be the best at something? Well, uh, you have to understand that fundamental pr preparation is essential to success. Uh, no matter what it is that you're doing, uh, you, you have to be fundamentally sound. So for uh, somebody that's going to um, study chemistry, uh, well, they, they, there's certain things that they have to know fundamentally. And uh, then they can make progress and uh, become successful in that field. Um, if you're going to become a, a legal student, you have to go past the LSAT, the Legal uh, Scholastic Aptitude Test, uh, in order to uh, show that you have an aptitude uh, to uh, do well a as a lawyer. And there are many different uh, tests and uh, ways of figuring out what your aptitude is, but uh, you know, once you figure it out and figure out what what your path should be, uh, you you just have to be willing to pursue it and put in the time and make the effort. And and it seems like it's it's a little bit more than the sense of you also have to figure out what the basics are, and it's almost like you need guidance for that. Like when you um in your first coaching session with with Wooden, you describe. Um, you know, you, you you thought maybe you were going to get basketball drills and run around the court, and he taught all the players how to put on their socks. Right. Uh, yeah, and just so fundamental uh, for a basketball player. But if they don't understand that, if uh, you know they have blisters on their feet uh, from putting their socks on wrong, they they won't be able to practice. If they can't practice, they won't be up to speed with what the team is trying to do. And if you're not up to speed, uh, you won't get playing time. So all of these things have to do with with the uh, preparation and understanding what your role is and uh, the more clearly that you understand that and the more work that you're willing to put in to uh, master those fundamentals uh, the more successful you're going to be let's stop to take a quick break we'll be right back i hope you enjoy what i've been doing i don't ask for a lot but please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It will only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. And my goal is to share this great content with as many people as possible. To see the show notes, just head on over to jamesaltature.com slash podcast. While you are there, you can join my free insiders list to get notified when I post a new podcast. Once again, thanks so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. 
you mentioned the Bruce Lee quote. Uh, I fear the man more who um, practices one kick ten thousand times than the man who practices, you know, ten thousand kicks. kicks one time. Yeah, I guess in basketball for you, you you became such an expert at what what became known as your your sky hook, mm-hmm. um, and but at the same time, you still have to kind of have coverage of all the skills needed in any field. Right, you you have to be able to uh, be totally capable. Uh, for in basketball, you have to be able to play both ends of the court and uh, make a difference at either end uh, in some way, and uh, that that's just uh, takes a, a dedication and an understanding of, of the fine points of in what you're talking about, what what we're talking about here, basketball. But it can be the same for so many other uh, different disciplines. And I guess you, I mean, why didn't you ever think of the the you know you had been playing basketball for many years at that point? Why didn't you think of the pulling on your socks the right way? Uh, it took Wooden to sort of tell you this basic fundamental thing that was so important. Well, I never had a problem with my socks. You know, I, <laughs> I got past that earlier in life. So I. So what I, was the what was the difficulty for you? Uh, the difficult. Uh, I really didn't have very much difficulty in basketball um, by paying attention to my coaches and um, going to the places that I went. I, I was able to be successful everywhere that I played basketball. I, you know, I was very fortunate in that sense. What? What? Like, let's take now. You know, you've written a, a Sherlock Holmes novel. You've written a, a graphic novel. Uh, when you switch to a completely I will say that's a completely new field, even though you make some analogies between basketball and the way Mycroft Holmes uh, thinks. Uh, what was what was difficult in sort of, uh, that becomes an identity thing too. You went from everybody knew you as a basketball player to now I'm going to be a Sherlock Holmes writer. What, what was the challenge there? Well, the, the challenge is always, uh, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're talking about? So for me, I had to be... Uh, uh, pretty well-schooled on Victorian England and um, Arthur Conan Doyle's take on uh, the Holmes family. And uh, I just used that as a, as a foundation to, to write about a character that got very little attention in Arthur Conan Doyle's original canon. Um, Mycroft is only mentioned like uh, five or six times uh, in passing. But to me, it, it seemed like he would be a very important person in Sherlock's life because... Uh, in talking about uh, Mycroft, the, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle says at, at some times he was the British government. Wow, you know, uh, under Queen Victoria, that that uh, that implies a whole lot. So from that, I, I was able to you know work it backwards and uh, figure out what his backstory could be, and it ended up being interesting enough to uh, for me to write a, a successful novel. So, so it's almost like you saw this blank space in something he said. At times, he could be the British government, right? Oh, and it's a throwaway line almost. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, what and, does it mean? And, and you, uh, you answered the question. I was able to exploit it and 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 use it to to, to write an interesting story. And so, so now, I, I'm I'm interested in in relating this back to uh, religion. Like, obviously, you had many influences who are. Um, turning to Muslim and changing their names, like for instance, you were friends with Cassius Clay, who became Muhammad Ali. Uh, you were being influenced by, uh, again, you mentioned the autobi- autobiography of Malcolm X and, and other sources. Mm-hmm. What led to, 
And I, I know I apologize if you've talked about this many times, but I'm curious for myself, just in terms of the context of identity, how how did religion impact the way you thought about yourself? Well, you know, I, I was raised uh, Catholic and I had a strong belief in monotheism, uh, but I, I had problem with uh, some of the things that the Pope and other Catholics did to people from Africa, exploiting uh, them as slaves. Um, but I still had a strong belief in monotheism. So the type of monotheism most commonly practiced in Africa is Islam. So I, I decided to uh, investigate Islam uh, on that basis. And um, reading the autobiography of Malcolm X uh, helped me get a, a more fundamental and in-depth uh, understanding of Islam and encouraged me to to learn more. And I, I eventually ended up becoming Muslim. But it was a process that I went through and, and learning uh, what the facts were and uh, how they related to me and how I wanted that to relate to my life. How did they relate to you? Like, What's the strongest impact of the, the uh, let's say, the five pillars of, of faith in Islam? What's, this, what's been the strongest impact on your life? Well, I, I think that Islam has given me a, a moral anchor. Uh, the fundamentals are, are the same as uh, Christianity and Judaism. Uh, the, uh, the golden rule, uh, treat others as you yourself wish to be treated. Uh, this is very prominent in, in Islam as it is in Christianity and, and Judaism. So uh, it, it wasn't a big stretch for me to become Muslim. So, so um, you know, as you were writing this, what were you what were you coming to grips with in terms of, you know, again, everybody views you as this great basketball player, or you're the guy who changed his name, and that became this big impactful thing when when the the moment you did it, uh, you know, you you were again coming to grips with who you are. Do you think you kind of reached that point where you were really sort of satisfied with where you were? Well, I, geez, that that's hard. Does anyone ever get satisfied? I don't know if anybody gets uh, total self-satisfaction, but uh, as far as I was concerned, I was satisfied with uh, my belief system. I, I felt that my belief system made sense and it was helping me uh, improve my life, and that was the most important part of it. In what way? In giving me a moral anchor and enabling me to to understand the difference between right and wrong. And so, uh, you know, I, there's so many photos of you and I've seen, um, you know, also the, the documentary on HBO about you. And in a lot of the photos, uh, you know, you're so serious yeah. <laughs> and you're so, it almost looks like people can't see you because you're in your head somehow. You're like deeply reflective. Why? What? What's you know? What stopped you from smiling? All those and all these photos. I don't know if that's a dumb question or not. But no, that, that's not a dumb question. That's actually a very good question. I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I've been scrutinized so much because of my height, and I'm always feeling that people are watching me because throughout my life they have watched me. I, they see me first. So uh, I kind of have that uh, wariness of uh, somebody that's in, in, the, uh, in the headlights all the time. It, it's, uh, it, it, can be, uh, it can be daunting. And so, and so again, you are, is this what 
I mean, even in your documentaries, the, the documentary about you is titled "A Minority," you know, "Cream a Minority of One." Do you feel? Do you often feel that uh, this scrutiny has led you to kind of just withdraw inward and and just be in your thoughts, so you could kind of avoid all the people looking? Well, uh, you you can't avoid the people looking, but um, it probably makes me feel that I need to be on guard more so than the average person who can disappear in a crowd. I can't do that. So I always have to be on guard. Um, I mean, in that sense, you know, and, and again, I think I think your experiences with Coach Wooden, who you even wrote a book about, probably helped you figure out as well who who you were in in a crowd and who you and and what inside of you you can um, respect and and uh, contribute to your identity. What what are the, some of the main things he taught you that really still uh, affect your life today? Well, uh, Coach wouldn't help me understand that uh, I could be whatever I wanted to be. Um, a lot of guys go to college and uh, figure that uh, if they get through the basketball program, they'll have a chance to play professional basketball, and uh, they neglect their academics. I never uh, had that problem, and Coach Wooden encouraged me to uh, to be successful academically and uh, as an athlete, and it, it worked out for me very well. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to go through the effort, and Coach Wooden helped me understand that that effort was worthwhile. How did he do that? Just by showing us uh, his life. You know, he was very successful. Um, he was. Uh, uh, an all-American, he played professional basketball, and let he, yet he went on to to do great things. So, uh, you know, what you go through on your way through life always prepares you for what the next step is, and uh, you know that's how it was in my life. You know, in terms of like skill development, how much do you think? How much do you think talent? What percentage do you think is talent, and what percentage do you think is skill and work? Geez, I, I, you know what I think it has to do with people's competitive nature. You know, guys that like to compete, that enjoy it. Uh, you know, they're not, uh, they're not disturbed that uh, they want to go out there and and crush the opposition. Uh, you know, they have that that desire and uh, the ability to to do that. Um, you know, th- those are the successful people in in uh, various fields, and uh, I I think really com- competitive uh, fire really determines uh, the championship athletes from the ones that, that don't make it because uh, it's that desire that, that gets you across the finish line. Like like regardless of, not, not regardless of, but on top of talent. On top of talent, yeah. Because clearly you were talented. Yeah, and- you know, I, I've seen, you know, I did, I coached in the NBA now. Uh, I coached six years uh, with the Lakers. I was an assistant coach. And I saw players come in that had, all kinds of physical talent, but they, they just weren't into it. They didn't have the work ethic, uh, and they didn't have the competitive fire to, to go out there and, and compete, and they didn't do as well as, as other players who might not have had as much talent but were, were into the competition and, and knew how to fit themselves into a team and contribute. And so how do you think someone, um, I mean, obviously it would have benefited these guys to have the work ethic. What separated them out from the people who had the work ethic versus the people who didn't? Like what? What internal thing were they missing? I don't know. <laughs> you were their coach, though. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean that I know what's going on inside their head and inside yeah. their soul. Uh, you know, I it, it was my job to try and get 
guys to give their best effort and and to play at the top of their game, but there's only certain guys that uh, are able to do that and uh, be effective. You know, I think part of it for you was also that, you know, in the 60s, early early 70s, you uh, being a great athlete and African-American, you kind of had this this voice that people listen to at a very early age for somebody. So you were involved in, for instance, the, the so-called Cleveland Summit where uh, Cassius Clay, everybody was, deb- Jim Brown and Cassius Clay were having the debate of whether or not uh, Cassius Clay should go to Vietnam, Muhammad Ali should go to Vietnam. And did you feel, oh wait, I'm really young to be in this group and having this kind of influence? No, I didn't feel like I was uh, too young. A number of people in the civil rights movement uh, uh, were very young when they lost their lives. I'm thinking about the four girls in in Birmingham in 1963 and then uh, Emmett Till in 1955. He was only 13. So, uh, you know, the the fact that the civil rights uh, situation in America touches you when you're a child uh, doesn't change anything. It, it's still the same set of circumstances, and they still need to be changed. And and right now, in today's you know, so now it's fifty years after that moment. Where 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 do you see the problems now? Well, I, I think the problems now are the the fact that uh, we have a leader who has a nostalgia for a time when uh, white people uh, actually were uh, supreme. And uh, equality was not something that uh, was granted to all people, especially people of color. And uh, there's a nostalgia for that time. And unfortunately, some people have embraced it. Um, and so, you know, you wrote Becoming Kareem. It, uh, it, it basically ends at the beginning of your professional career. Many things happen to you after that. Do you see kind of a part two of this? I mean, I'm sure we all want to know. <laughs> How you kept on evolving as as a as a person after this? Well, the part two of it will be uh, you know I'm I'm going to go on tour. Uh, Becoming Kareem uh, it has motivated me to try and do a tour where I will talk about all of these issues. If you want to learn about it, you can go to our website. It's called uh, becomingkareem.com, and uh, I'll be going uh, around the country. We're going to do a number of cities, uh, myself and Roy Firestone, and we're going to talk about this book and what it means, and uh, hopefully uh, people get an, an insight into my life and uh, how, how I got to be who I am. And I, and I think the, the key, too, is helping people figure out who they are because I think we're all, to some extent, a minority of one. Right. We all go through this. You know, We all have to figure out uh, what our path will be. And so often it's not, it's not what our parents did, uh, <laughs> and we got to figure it out for ourselves. I, I think every, every generation has to do that. Well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Becoming, Kareem, Becoming Kareem, I think this is a very moving book. I think you dealt with so many different issues, and I think you're just, I don't know, so much thought comes through in, in, in the way you dealt with these issues as opposed to just being like, oh, the greatest basketball player ever. There's, you really see your identity coming through in, in this book, and I really appreciated you writing it and me reading it. Oh well, thank you. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 nice to be able to c- communicate these things at this time of my life. You know, I never thought that uh, people would be interested, and that the fact that uh, 
I can write these books and people are curious enough and uh, wanting to be knowledgeable, I, I'm very flattered by it and, and I'm, I'm happy to share. So thank you for having me on your, on your podcast. Thank you, Kareem. Such a great honor to talk to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And if you liked that episode, uh, subscribe to the James Altucher Show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Next time on the James Altucher Show. Suddenly the song was number one the first day. I, the day of the release, it was number one in 14 countries. Let's say I want to write a song that gets 4 billion views. Mm-hmm. What should my first few steps be? You know what? I don't think about the numbers. The main thing is for you to connect with the world. The more I travel, the more I understand the human being. Mm-hmm. I see life with the eyes of a child. Humans start to complicate things like, let's study the song, what happened? And they did this and that. It was so organic. It came out so easily. I mean, everyone has their own talent. And my talent is expressing it through writing songs and from singing them, you know? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.